July 4th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daf Mem Aleph Amut Bet. If you count from the top, it's five lines down. And the Gemara is citing from the Mishnah. Mishnah, if you recall, which to a certain extent was the Mishnah for the whole Perik, which described Bedikot and Hakirot. The Mishnah talked about the seven questions that would be asked as Hakirot, the questions about where and when. And then Bedikot, which are beyond that. Bedikot, which are on the uh, specifics of the color that the person was wearing, what they were holding and so forth, that's Bedikot. So the Mishnah described there's a basic difference between Bidikot and Hakirot. With regards to those fundamental seven questions of Hakirot, if one or even both of the witnesses say, we don't know, of course you throw it out. In Bidikot, if one or even both say, we don't know, you can uphold the testimony. You don't assume that that's a false or improper testimony. Says the Gemara, Mai, what does it mean, Afilu Shenayim Omrim, quote unquote? Peshita. It would be simple. Ki amar ehad edutan Ki amre betere name edutan The Gemara asks the following basic question. The assumption in reading the Mishnah straight is as follows. The Mishnah says, in bidikot, in questions of what color was the robber's um, uh, shirt? What a color, what brand shoes was the murderers uh, wearing at that time? Those sorts of questions, the side questions, not the integral to the fact of what took place, when it happened, and where it happened. Those sorts of questions, if one of the witnesses says, any odea, I don't know. Not that they have a discrepancy, one says black and the other one says brown, but there's a, one of them says, I don't know. Or even if both of them say, I don't know, edutan kayemet. There's no novelty. There's nothing that's being added by saying that if both of them say that you uphold it. If the idea is you don't need to have the answer. If the explanation to this matter is it doesn't matter whether you know or not. We're just trying to potentially catch you on a discrepancy, but you didn't have a discrepancy. So then if one says in Yodea Edutan Kayemet, certainly, or by extension, two as well. That's what the Gemara says, Ki Amre Betere Name, when two as well say in Yodea Enachnu Yodeim, Edutan Kayemet, of course their testimony is upheld. In other words, our imagination brings us to the point that we assume that those words should be adding something that we perhaps didn't know. Answers the Gemara, Amara, these are witnesses. In Bidikot, the witnesses are allowed to say any uh, odea. In Hakirot, in the seven primary questions of where it was and when it was, you can't say any odea. In what color were his shoes, you can say any odea. Right? So the Gemara says now, Amarav Sheshat Aresha Ka'e. In Aramaic, that letter Aleph at the beginning of a word is instead of the word in Hebrew, Al, on. Aresha. Resha Milashon Rosh. The First part explains the Gemara. Explains Rav Sheshat. These words of even if both of them say Eniyodea is going on the first part of the Mishnah. The first part of the Mishnah. There were two segments of the beginning of the Mishnah. First segment was Hakirot. Second segment was Bedikot. Again, Hakirot are the seven foundational primary questions. Bedikot are the ancillary side issues. Now, our assumption was these words, even if they both say in Yodea, was going on the second part. That's how it's written in chronology in the Mishnah. Instead, we're suggesting it's going on the first part, on Hakirot. How so? This is what the Mishnah seems to be telling us, says Rav Sheshat. Behakirot, on those questions of when did it happen? Where did this take place? Afilu shenai momrim yada'anu. Ve'ehad omer en Yodea. Edutan betela. 
The halacha is in hakirot, in the questions of those foundational, primary questions, if two of them say, yeah, it happened on July 4th, 2022. One of them, because there were three, for argument's sake, says, any odea, edutan betela. You knock it out. The suggestion of Rav Sheshat, it's a, it's a squeezing into the Mishnah. It doesn't sound this way in the Lashon of the Mishnah, is that the Hidush of the Mishnah is in Hakirot. Everybody has to have the answer. When did this take place? There's four guys around. There's 20 men in the room right now. In such a circumstance, each one of them, if they're showing up for testimony, needs to have the answer. None of them can abstain. You'll throw it out. If they show up together? Or even if they show up separately? If they show up together. Right. Only so if they show up and then a third guy comes the same Separate, he's not, we don't even accept him. If they showed up together. But that's an interesting thing. That's a hidush, because after all, we are all aware that the halakha is when it comes to edu, to testimony, you only need two. So why should two. the third? It's better to send two. Just pick the smartest of the two. The but they walked in as three, heke. So no, it looks like it inspired. Understood, wrong. understood. But that's the hidush. Says the Gemara Keman. Uh, says Rav Sheshat, whose opinion would I be following? Kirbi Akiva, the opinion of Rabbi Akiva and Masechim Makot and Davhe is the Makish Shelosha Lishnaim. There's a Hekesh in the Pasuk, see the Torah, when it talks about testimony, it doesn't just say, Al Pishenaim Edim Yakum Davar. It says, Al Pishenaim Edim O Shelosha Edim. It says either two or three, which is strange. If you only need two, so why does the Torah mention three? If you're a Pashtun, you say, it's the way we talk, two or three. Rabbi, which one is it? Two or three? Two, but three. Ah, kol ha Instead, Rabbi Akiva says it's a hekesh to tell you that two is likened to three, or three is likened to two. The same way two need to be consistent, so two, three need to be consistent. And four, and five, and a hundred, and ten thousand. Exactly. Two is the minimum. But the three, it goes up to as many as they are, and each one of them are now integral. You understand? In other words, for example, Rabbi Akiva, in his specific context there in the Mishnah, Dafheh, Masech, Makot, is talking about the following. Edut Hazama. In other words, two, three witnesses walk into the room. They all testify the same thing. Two separate witnesses come, and they are mezim, two of the witnesses. They say, how could you be testifying about that? You were with us on that day. Third guy, we don't even know who you are. What are you talking about? Now, what are we going to do? Are we now going to do to those two conspiring ones who were found to be conspiring false witnesses? Exactly. Absolutely not. Lucky you too that you brought the third guy in with you because ultimately speaking, the third guy saved you. Instead of him being separate and the two of you were going to kill or punish, it needs to be all three. It's an all or nothing circumstance. That's what we learn from Shenaim O Shelosha. As a result, says the Gemara by extension, Rav Sheshat, according to Rabbi Akiva, if you were to have a circumstance where two say this is the case, the third says any odea, insufficient. All three get treated equally. I'm not Rav, says Ravah. It's a beautiful interpretation of Sheshat. In theory, I love it. Rabbi Akiva, application, beautiful, genius. However, it's not the words of our Mishnah over here. Veha, quote unquote, edutan kayemet katane. Our Mishnah says, afilu shenai momri meni odea, edutan kayemet. Edutan kayemet means we uphold the testimony. Everything you just explained, Rav Sheshat, was if you had the third guy, what does it do? It helps throw out the testimony. Our Mishnah says, even if, then the testimony is upheld. That's not what you were just explaining. Your Rabbi Akiva application was to say that the third one makes it more lenient with regard to throwing out the testimony. 
That's how the words of our Mishnah say, Ela Amar Rava, says Rava, maybe it's quite the opposite. It's the absolute opposite of what you suggested, Rav Sheshat HaChek Amar, Afilu Bechakirot. Shenayim Omrim Yada'anu, Echad Omer Eni Perhaps what the Mishnah is actually telling you is the opposite of what you suggested. If two say, we know the case, and we answer the question, what's the circumstance? I walk into court and I ask you, what day did this happen on? So Jacob says, uh, July 4th, 2022. Charles says, July 4th, 2022. So it's, uh, says, uh, Victor, any old day? What am I supposed to do over here? We said, according to the Biakiva, Enedutan Kayemet Betela. The words in our Mishnah points out, Ravar Edutan Kayemet. I'm reading it exactly like you, Rav Sheshad, in terms of reconstructing this case. However, the Halacha is not like the Biakiva, rather Edutan Kayemet. Keman, whose opinion would this be following then our Mishnah? Period. It means that our Mishnah, according to this reading, is going against the Biakiva. How would you explain the Hekesh in a different way? In truth, the Gemara, the Mishnah has different interpretations to that Hekesh of Shinaim or Shilosha. All right, that ends this segment of the Gemara. The Gemara goes on to its next issue. The Gemara starts with a small story. It ends with this small story as well. Rav Kahana Rav Safra, Tanu Sanhedrin Be'Rabba. How do you like that? Rav Kahana and Rav Safra, Tanu, they learned. We switched the taf with the Shin, Shanu. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught or learned. They learned. Sanhedrin, Masechet Sanhedrin, Be'Rabah, the Bet Midrash of Rabah. All right, very nice. They learned Sanhedrin like we are. Pagat Behu Rameh Barhama. This individual, his name is very near and dear to my heart, like my son's name, Rameh, if only my name was Hama. Rameh Barhama Pagat Behu. He comes in contact with them. What happened? Trying like the son. Also, oh, it is me. Pagat Behu Rameh Barhama. Rameh Barhama bumps into Rav Kana and Rav Safra. Great to see you guys. You know, I heard you've been learning with this great rabbi. Amar lehu, mayam ritu ba sanhedrin de berabah. In the Midrash of Rabbah, could you tell me a hidush? It's like a Jacob line. Could you tell me a hidush that you learned with Rabbah? I know you're learning sanhedrin with an important person. So tell me something you learned over there. Amre leh, they respond, Rav Kahana and Rav Safra, umayam rinan ba besanhedrin gredata. Gredata, greda means on its own, only. So in other words, their response is, you want to know what we learned with Rabbah? Would you ask us that question? Is this a relevant question in general to Masechet Sanhedrin? In other words, we're not so special. It's a great class, but I mean, you have any questions just about Sanhedrin? We're not even sure we can answer those. We just want to, you know, you're asking, what's the Hidush over there? Do you have a question about Sanhedrin itself? And furthermore, you have any questions on the Masechet? I mean, we'll try to answer them. Instead of telling you, you, know, you, you someone walks out of a class, says the best class in the world, says, okay, tell me about it. One second, do you know what the parasha is? Have any questions on the parasha? Before I tell you the hidush in the class, could we talk about the parasha? Amar lehu says Rameh bar to Rav Safra and Rav Kahana. And here's where you're imagining, at least the Gemara wants you to imagine, he's going to snap, he's going to try to catch them, he's going to ask them a question and see how sharp they are. He says, I just want to ask you the following question. katane, from the words in the Mishnah that we learned, ma ben hakirot lebedikot, hakirot echad omereni yodea edutan betela, bedikot echad omereni yodea, vafilu shnaim omrim enanu yodeim edutan kayemet. The words of our Mishnah, which, which distinguish, which contrast bedikot and hakirot. Hakirot, the foundational questions. Bedikot, the side questions. Hakirot, where and when. Bedikot, what was it? What color? What type? And so forth. What's the difference? Bedikot, if they don't know, okay, uh, they don't need to know. Hakirot, they don't know, you throw it out. Okay, now his question 
Who's questioning? He says, I just want to understand. I'm a Pasha the Yid. I just want to understand the words of the Mishnah. I just want to understand this conceptually. Michdeh means let's analyze. Idi idi. This and this. Deoraitahi. Both hakirot and bedikot are from the Torah. We derived hakirot at the very beginning of the Perek from Pesukim. Bidikot were referenced earlier on this daf uh, from the nachon, the word in the Torah, nachon. You need to make certain that it is nachon. But the idea of asking those sorts of questions are both from the Torah. Maishina hakirot and maishina bidikot. What's the difference then between bidikot and hakirot? In other words, if you told me one's min ha-Torah, one's min rabbanan, I get it. Min ha-Torah, you're missing it. You're missing the whole thing. You can't accept it. One's min rabbanan from the rabbis. All right, you're missing it. It's okay. But ultimately speaking, the Torah subscribes, prescribes rather, to us that you need both bedikot and hakirot. How come when it comes to hakirot, ooh, he doesn't know, throw him out. Bedikot, I will accept him anyway. What's the difference? Very basic question, Abel Bar Hama poses to Rav Safra and Rav Kana. Amru leh, they respond to him, hache hashata, means, let's analyze. Here it is right now. In other words, the following. He says, listen to the difference, I'll tell you outside before we read it inside, between the foundational questions and the side questions. Foundational questions, without knowing where and when, we call it By definition, the way you take a person and turn him into a conspiring witness called an is by saying you couldn't be testifying that you were there on that day because you were with us on that day. That's important. That's how we test out whether you're actually telling the truth. We need to be able to displace you. If you don't tell me where, where it was or when it was, I have no reason to believe that you're actually telling the place. There's no threat against what you're claiming. In which, what color it is, in what type, in what brand, that's not educhi atayachol hazima. By definition, therefore, rameh bar hama, says Rav Safran of Kahana. The questions of hakirot are fundamental, they're foundational, it's the way we check that the guys actually tell the truth. If you come and tell me, what's that? What was he wearing? The guy says he's wearing Nike shoes. The guy doesn't own Nike shoes. But there's no punishment. That's not an Ed Zomem. There's no punishment in that. You understand what I'm saying? By definition, and for good reason, and which will, which is kind of mixed into this whole thing, is specifically displacing the guy. If you were lying, what's that? You had an intention, and the way we catch you on that is by displacing you in the time. We say, you can't say you, you can't tell me you were at Niagara Falls on July 4th. I saw you in Israel on that day. You couldn't have traveled that quickly, uh, you know, unless you had the Gemara to Gamdat Parham, whatever. But I mean, generally speaking, that's just that, not the reality. Well, that being the case, the, the, the Gemara, the, the response will be quite clear. In order to invalidate to the extent of threatening these witnesses and verifying they're telling the truth, you need to have hakirot check out. So we can make it potentially educhata yochalazima. Standardless questions in the Mishnah. Correct. The standard questions you're going to ask them when was it, at what hour in the day, in what place. We have a list of seven questions, fixed questions. And again, they're so important because that's the way we verify that they're telling the truth. If they're not, well then, or, or alternatively, if they, if they answer those questions, the side questions wrongfully, there's no threat. They're not going to be punished for saying them wrong. And as a result, that's why. That's, that's why you could say, I don't know to Bidikot. You can't say, I don't know to Hakirot. That's the point. So that's, that, that's the response. So they say, What is that to do with being Yoraita or not? 
The point is, even though they're both Minhat Torah, Hakirot are absolutely necessary with regards to establishing. Bidikot need to be asked. It's important that they be asked. We want to do as much as we can to verify truth. However, we won't throw out the case. We won't invalidate the witnesses, even though it's Minhat Torah. Well, it's almost as if the Torah says part of the procedure because is the to Torah ask the says question. It happens like this, and Correct. it needs to come from a place which where it could be. Which again stands to reason, in my opinion. The, the way you're going to catch the guy on being a conspiring witness is by displacing fundamental, basic questions. You're actually going to assume, God's going to tell you, assume this guy is lying purposefully, predetermined, in his mind, because he didn't know the colors of his shoes, come on. So again, so Amar Lehu, Amru Leh, rather, Hachei Hashata Bechakirot, in those seven foundational questions of where and when, Amar Echadin Yodei Edutam Betela, why so, Dehaviala, Educhi Atayachol Hazimah, in such a circumstance we consider a testimony which you can't be uh, establishing it as Edut Zomemet, and in turn you won't be able to punish them, as such of Ka'ashir Zaman, Bedikot, in contrast, Amar Echad Meheneni Yodea Edutan Kayemet. Why so? Educhata Yafolazimahu. Period. All right, so they answered him. Fantastic. Rav Safra, Rav Kahana. You didn't tell me anything you learned with Rabbah, which is really what I was interested in. But look at how you answered my question. Amar Lehu, he turns to them, Rabbani says, Ihachef, this is so Amritu Batuva. If you're saying like this, if you're explaining Masechet Sanhedrin like this, you're saying a lot. And keep in mind, you ask them a very basic question. There is a certain Musar over here, and it's a point we've made on more than one occasion. You can sometimes have the greatest of Kiddushim, which takes you from one source to the next source, and one sharpness to the next sharpness, and people walk out, and you yourself appreciate it, but then, when I could just read the line carefully and appropriately and with a pristine vision of what it actually means, there's a whole new level of clarity and hidush in that context. We sometimes strive for the hidushes, which is be'olamot uh, ha'herim, instead of realizing that peshat, the peshat amit hadesh yom, is the greatest level of hidush. In fact, it's quoted from Rabbi Chaim Velazhinar, the question of what is a hidush, his suggestion of what a hidush is, and proper understanding of what you're learning. Chalas, lo diotev, lo pachot. And as we imagine again, a chidush is mekish davar le davar, motzi davar mitoch davar. Sometimes it's just a proper understanding. He says, if this is what you have, and you guys have a lot, why were you embarrassed initially? Amrule, they turn to, uh, to uh, what's his name, to Rameh Bar this is Rav Safran, Rav Kana, who were propositioned to explain what they're learning, and they said, mituvute demor amrinan batuva. It's because of the graciousness of you, our master, Rameh Bar that we were able to say a lot. In other words, you approached us so unassumingly. You just asked us a question. You didn't attack. You didn't search for a hidush beyond minizuhute demor la amrinan ba. Rashi explains that word nizihute, nizihut is some sort of attack, vicious uh, approach and screaming. Had you come at us by saying, what's the explanation over here? Had you learned this with your rabbi, we wouldn't be able to say even a single thing. So there's a separate Musar over here, and that separate Musar is the approach to a person, the importance of an appropriate dialogue, 
and engagement with one another sometimes bears more fruit when it's in a unassuming fashion than when it's in that circumstance wherein there's a demand of the other. I remember on more than one occasion realizing and noticing people being able to, students in the moment, say something really beautiful because they didn't feel like they were put on the spot and forced to explain something with the threat of if you don't have the explanation you're important. Alternatively, they had an explanation, but they felt the pressure of the moment. They weren't able to develop it and articulate it appropriately. Okay, continues the Gemara, Echad Omer Vechule. The Mishnah said that if there's a discrepancy with regards to dates, uh, one says it was on the second of the month, and the other says it's on the third of the month, we'll accept them. Why do we accept them? They don't, they don't know the right date. The answer is we assume they're really testifying about the same date. One didn't realize that the last month was a Hodesh Me'ubar. Or one thought that the last month was a Hodesh Me'ubar. Meaning they're uncertain whether the last month was 29 or 30 days. Says the Gemara Ad Kama. Until what date in the month do we assume that the witnesses, that a normal guy, doesn't know how many days were in the last month? We ask them when it happened. We ask Interesting. 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 They're talking halachically in terms of the, the day starting during the night. It's not the way the Mishnah says it. I hear you. I hear you. It's a whole new limud zechut for acceptance. But it'll, it'll work out, ultimately speaking, the same way in terms of a one-day discrepancy because they were uncertain about how to count the day, or per se. Or about where they were. Um, or about where they were. With I don't know. Regards. I was around the border. I don't know if I was in Brooklyn or Deal. I was on the Garden. I don't know what that is, New York, New Jersey. Right. Right. in leeway here because they didn't know where the month was. It was 30 or 29. He's he's extending it further. Why don't we do it with regards to? Well, we would we would we would probably ask them to to pinpoint. Once you pinpoint, then we'd establish it. They don't need to say New York and New Jersey. They need to say that's right. It was in front of the Seven Eleven. All right. Says the Gemara Ad Kama. How many days into the month do we still assume the average person doesn't know how many how many days the last month had? I was like, I don't know. Yes. yes. Nobody knows it at all. Very interesting. Good point. And I've been giving July 4th as that example. You're saying, I don't even know what the Hebrew date is. I was going to say, you, you were saying, I don't know. Anyway, so, I haven't, I haven't officiated recently. Normally, you know, I'll, I'll know the Hebrew date because of that. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Amar Habar Hanina, Amar Amar Al Rubo Shel Chodesh. Till midway through the month, until you're a bit past midway, 16 days into the month, at that juncture you say, uh, this guy said it was on the 15th, uh, on the 17th, and that one said the 18th. Uh, at that point they figured it out, and that's a discrepancy, we won't accept it. Uh, up until then, once upon a time, you didn't have calendars, you didn't have um, media, you didn't have easy access to what the date was and the time. Okay, we could say that was the discrepancy. Says Rava, the truth is, perhaps I can prove this from a Mishnah, from a Mishnah Beraita source. Maybe I can prove this from something we learned from the Tanaim. How so? Our Mishnah had the following statement. If one of the witnesses says it was the third, and the other one says it was the fifth, Edutan that's what our Mishnah told us. Why so? Ve'amai. Why is it betela? Maybe it was the following. Maybe one of them says it was the it was the third because he assumes that the last two months were me'ubar, uh, were full. 
And as well, or alternatively, the last two months were really full, but one of them doesn't realize, and that's why he says the fifth. Okay. So you, you'll know more or less, you're going back two months to know when, what the date is now. You, you know you had a holiday and that's, that's firm. That's I hear you. Uh, I hear you. Uh, quite, I hear you. I don't know. Okay, maybe that's part of the same mix. And halfway through, you'll generally know. I hear you. I, I hear you. Uh, I'm not uncertain. What's that? Generally speaking, they are. So that it'll it'll work in accordance. Right. That's an interesting point. All right, I got to give that a little bit more thought. Just to say a bearing That will establish it. Right. 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 I hear you. Listen, it's not going to contradict what we're saying here. It's going to supplement it, is what I'm saying. The guy should all the more so know after halfway through the month what, how much the last month was because he not even, not even he's living in this world. He's living in this world as a Jew. He knows there was a holiday and he figured out what the last month was based on the date of that holiday. Well, anyway, so the proof over here is the third and the fifth. He says, why is the third and the fifth not okay? Why not say? One of them doesn't realize there were two me'ubars and the other one does. Obviously, he says instead, uh, you can't go back more than 15 days to say you were still making a mistake. So if the first month was mi'ubar, at this point, you have to know that already, right? That's the suggestion. Once he got through halfway, and, and Charles makes it better, not only are you living this world, but you experienced half a month, yada, you'll know, uh, you'll know that it was a hodish mi'ubar. The fact that you're claiming five and he's claiming three, we can't accept both. We can't say that you didn't realize that they were both mi'ubar. You would know by halfway through the month. Says the Gemara, maybe not. Maybe that's not the way we'll establish this. Says the Gemara, maybe we can prove or we could suggest even halfway through the month, if one says 17 and one says 18, we'll still accept. You still accept? What are you talking about? It goes like this. The only difference would be whether um, the, the way, instead of by holidays, Charles, the Gemara suggests, you'll know, or the average guy knows whether there was a Chodesh Me'ubar, is by hearing the trumpet. They used to sound a shofar if it was, when it was Rosh Chodesh. As a result, we'll say, the guy missed one shofar. Ah, people don't always hear everything. He missed two shofars in a row, month after month. Can't be. As a result, for two months, and for that reason, three and five, we won't accept it as a discrepancy. Four, however, 17 and 18, in one month, we'll say he missed one shofar call. In other words, the Gemara doesn't have a resolution to this question. We started this question of ad kaman, till what juncture in the month should we assume the guy still doesn't know, and we assumed halfway through. We tried to prove it from three and five. We said the three and five won't be a proof. Because ultimately speaking, the kovea, the determinant of whether the guy knows or not, is not even the holidays he observed, but whether he heard the shofar. We'll assume the guy misses one shofar. All right, you, did, you slept through the fireworks last night, I understand. If there's going to be fireworks again tonight, you slept through two nights in a row. Lo, lo, lo As a result, the Gemara is uncertain about ad at what point would we say that discrepancy is no longer a discrepancy which is accepted, and we can assume one of them doesn't know that it was me'ubar 
Very briefly, what we talk about in our Gemara today, we talked about first and foremost the difference between Hakirot and Bedikot. We talked about how to explain those words in the Mishnah, Filu Shenaim Omrim, and we suggested first that that might be according with the opinion of Rabbi Akiva, that we equate the two and the three of witnesses. We ultimately speaking suggested otherwise that it's the opposite of Rabbi Akiva. We then talked about that story of Rameh Bar Hama encountering Rav Safra and Rav Kahana, the punchline being the difference between Hakirot and Bedikot, although they're both mean Torah is hakirot are necessary to make it a reducha tayachol azima bidikot or not. And then lastly, we dealt with in our Gemara this halacha with regards to discrepancy. We initially suggested that the discrepancy of one day would be applicable. We could imagine it until halfway through the month. Beyond that, we wouldn't be able to. We thought we had a proof for it. And then the Gemara said it's not a sufficient proof. It might be even until 28 and 29. The average guy might still not know that the last month was or was not a Amen.